Show Me the Science with Professor Luke O'Neill. Hello again, everybody. My name is Luke O'Neill, and you're very, very welcome to my Show Me the Science podcast. And by the way, can I just say I enjoy doing these. I hope you enjoy listening. And thanks for all the feedback, by the way. I get a few emails uh, now and again, and I'm very happy uh, to receive any comments and any suggestions. Always welcome. And in fact, some of the topics I'm discussing uh, are often based on your suggestions. Now, this week isn't one of your suggestions. I came across this uh, this particular study that really blew my mind. And, and as you'll see in a minute, it is all about the mind. This is the science of the nocebo effect. Now, what the hell, I bet you're wondering, is the nocebo effect? It turns out to be very important. Um, And it's all to do with how we test new medicines or new treatments and look for side effects. That's really what the nocebo effect is all about. Now, I bet you've heard of the placebo effect. That's a very commonly known thing. The placebo effect is a beneficial effect from a dummy pill during a clinical trial. Now, what do I mean by that? Well, every trial that we have, it could be a vaccine, it could be a new medicine. You have a group of people with a disease or a situation you want to to give them this treatment in. You give them the treatment, but you have a control group of people who you give a sugar pill to or a dummy injection to. And this is to prove that the treatment you're using works. It's a pretty standard thing in clinical trials. So, for example, I have a new vaccine. Uh, I'll give it to a group of people and I'll give another group of people just a solution that doesn't contain the vaccine and I'll see what happens next. And, of course, what you're hoping for is in that situation that the vaccine protects people from infection and the dummy injection doesn't. And, and that's how you know it's working, I guess. It's classic science in some ways. But sometimes the dummy pill works. And a really good example, one one disease or one situation where where this is really evident is antidepressants. So someone who's depressed, you give them the antidepressant, you give another group the dummy pill. Now, of course, the investigator, very importantly, doesn't know all the pills are the same colour, you know, uh, and the patient doesn't know. And that's where the term double-blind placebo-controlled trial comes from, by the way. Double-blind means neither you, the scientist or the doctor, nor the patient knows which tablet they're getting. So that's double, double double-blind and the placebo group is part of the trial so and again you can figure out then you break the code at the end and what you're hoping is all the ones who are given the treatment the depression is relieved and the ones who are given the placebo there's no effect and now you know your antidepressant is working well guess what there's at least a 40% placebo effect with most antidepressant meds some are even higher now what the hell is happening there people are very interested in this obviously just listening and talking to the patient and, and looking after them can be beneficial you see that's one possible reason so the placebo effect does create problems. Now, antidepressants work, by the way. They do have a benefit over the dummy pill, but still, there is a placebo effect. But I'm not talking about placebo. And In fact, um, the word placebo comes from to please, because it's pleasing. The nocebo effect is a negative effect in a clinical trial. And, and, and a negative effect that you don't want to see, obviously. And, and the worst thing is to see these, these kinds of side effects. But guess what? The dummy pill can also cause a negative effect. Or the treatment, people can sometimes report negative effects as well. And, and that's what the nocebo effect is. Now, let me give you uh, two killer examples. Now, in science, I'm always looking for the killer experiment or the killer example. The first really clear example of this were drugs called statins. Now, statins are used to prevent heart disease. 
and what they do is they lower blood cholesterol and of course cholesterol can clog up your arteries and give you a heart attack you know and statins have saved millions and millions of lives they're one of the most successful drugs ever invented actually without statins uh, especially men actually because heart attacks is more common in men would die in their droves in their 60s and 70s statins are keeping people alive into their 80s and 90s really really important but it was realised there is a risk of a side effect and one of the side effects is muscle pain now once people were told about this that there was a risk of muscle pain loads and loads of people began reporting muscle pain in response to the statin that is the nocebo effect it's an unwanted effect which becomes evident when you tell people strangely now before they told people there was a less chance of them reporting muscle pain you see so something's going on about the power of suggestion here and if you hadn't told the people about this they wouldn't have reported the muscle pain a second example that's really good is a drug for rheumatoid arthritis and again I bet there's people listening who know about this disease very common quite common in Ireland actually as many as 5% of Irish people have rheumatoid Uh, there's a drug for rheumatoid arthritis called infliximab and it works really well Uh, 60% of people will respond to infliximab what was interesting was once they began making what's called a biosimilar of infliximab now there's a a mouthful for you and what it is is once Infliximab went off patent any company could make it and they're making the same drug now by the way but as soon as patients found out or we've been given the uh, the yellow pack version if you will the one that followed on from the original they began to report a lack of efficacy and they began to report more side effects so there was something going on there where the people thought oh this isn't as good and now it's not really working in me and again that's the nocebo effect it's a, a negative effect overall very strange you know in other words if you hadn't told the patients that the infliximab had changed they didn't report these these um, these negative effects so again a very good example of the nocebo effect the third one I want to tell you is aspirin and that, that's come to light recently actually as well there's a risk of um, tummy upsets GI disturbance we call this with aspirin if you tell people there's a risk of that the rate of reporting of that goes up threefold so again it's kind of like the power of suggestion you're implanting in someone's mind oh there's a possibility of a side effect here and then they begin to report it you know and that there's a negative effect being observed and again studies have shown even if you give them a dummy pill and say there's a risk of something happening they begin to report those adverse events so again a negative effect for something that's actually quite benign now the main reason that I'm telling you about this is is the dreaded COVID. Now, you know, I try and avoid COVID with the podcast, of course, but uh, you can't avoid it all the time, really. Guess what? The adverse events you get when you take a vaccine for COVID, and we're all very familiar with these adverse events, as things like fatigue, it's muscle pain, where the injection site is. We've all, I guess, experienced this. Well, guess what? The vaccine isn't causing it. It's the injection. Now, how can I say that? Well, there were 12 separate studies where they had a, they had a group of people who they were giving effectively the placebo to, the, the dummy solution in the injection that wasn't uh, full of vaccine. They were giving that to some people in the trial and then they were vaccinating others. And the ones um, who were, were, uh, were actually given the, uh, the, the dummy vaccine, if you will, they reported a level of muscle pain, fatigue and all these symptoms. So in other words, it wasn't the vaccine that was causing those symptoms. It was the injection. And these 12 studies have confirmed this and it's absolutely intriguing, you see. Now, of course, remember before the vaccine was given, the patients were told there is a risk here that you may have a pain in your arm or you may have fatigue. And lo and behold, these people given the dummy injection reported that. And what was really interesting was 
uh, 76% of those who reported uh, these untoward effects reported them after the first injection uh, and as we all know um, the, the vaccines for COVID are a three shot vaccine now as, as we all know the second shot it went down to 52% so something had happened in a way between the first and second shot and they weren't reporting as much adverse events after the second shot now remember I can't overemphasize enough. They're being injected with a sugar solution effectively. So why would the second injection of the sugar solution have a less uh, lower incidence of reporting these side effects? Again, was it because they were used to the injection? They were less worried about it? They might have forgotten the concern and therefore a lot less reporting of these adverse events with the second injection. And I'm talking headaches, uh, arm pain, as I said, all the various things uh, we mentioned. So what was going on here? Well, we think it's telling the people first of all. So if you tell them before the thing begins, oh, there's an adverse event possibility here. And it might be stomach disturbance. It might be, as we say with the vaccines, these um, various reactions. The rate of reporting of those adverse events goes up even with the dummy pill, right? Now, of course, there are some people who have adverse events with vaccines and they do have fatigue and pain. and it It is serious enough for them, you know? So it can't happen with the vaccine. But a big component of that is this nocebo effect. This creates an immediate dilemma uh, for clinical trials. Should you tell people there's a risk of these side effects? Because if you don't, the reporting of them and the, and, and the actual appearance of the symptoms will go down. And, and, and what's very interesting is it's not just people saying, oh, I feel a bit tired. They've scanned their brains with an MRI machine, which I've mentioned a few times in the past. This is a device where you can see brain activity. And lo and behold, they can see brain changes during the nocebo effect. So it's a real thing. So in other words, if you didn't tell them, would these brain changes not happen? And that might be beneficial for the patient, obviously, in that way. So again, the question is, ethically, do you tell them? Now, you have to tell them. Um, And in fact, if you didn't tell them, and they began getting these side effects, they could probably sue the drug company and go, you didn't warn me about these, you see. So at the moment, honesty is the best policy when it comes to these effects. Uh, so, so trials haven't changed because of this. But again, we'd like to know more about it and why it's happening. Now, my last example of the nocebo effect that I want to give you is something that we're all very conscious of, and that is over-monitoring of yourself. Now, what do I mean by that? How many of you listening in have a Fitbit or a smartphone and, and you're measuring your sleep, you're measuring your heart rate, you're following the number of footsteps you do and all these various things of monitoring ourselves, you know, really, really important for some people. It turns out if you do that, you're inclined to report adverse events as well. Now, we sometimes call this the worried well. It's people, nothing wrong with them, and yet they're reporting heart palpitations or they're reporting difficulty sleeping and all this kind of thing, you know. So, so if you overload yourself with information on your health, it makes you feel worse. There's evidence for this, you see. And that's interesting, isn't it? Because there are lots of us are doing this, this monitoring. So maybe that's a bad thing. We shouldn't be measuring ourselves all the time because we begin to worry too much about our health and then we start to feel these various untoward things, which can be real. They can be really physical things. So what this tells us is, think Thinking about yourself too much is going to be bad. And much of this nocebo effect, actually, we think is to do with over-rumination and latching on to the piece of information that the doctor gives you that you might have 
some side effect and then you begin to have the side effect you know and remember it's the dummy pill that's giving you the side effect often so so again overthinking things uh, over monitoring is bad it can bring on these various things so what does what does this mean well overall here's my bottom line for you the placebo effect is real it can be good because you feel better the nocebo effect is bad a way to limit the nocebo effect is not to focus on yourself too much and worry about it because it can bring on these adverse events seems to be the message not that adverse events don't happen of course we do see side effects from treatments but a proportion of that is down to nocebo effect rather than the drug or the treatment itself causing the effect and the way to limit that would be not to think about yourself too much think of others we're very social creatures aren't we you know and the more we think about other people and distract ourselves away from our own health and our own worries the less likely it is we will see the nocebo effect so there you have it a very interesting sort of area for medicine in many ways placebo good nocebo bad don't be overthinking is my bottom line so thank you very much for listening I hope you uh, you got some interesting information out of the, uh, the nocebo effect and remember my show me the science podcast is available for downloading from wherever you get your podcasts every Thursday and it's a news talk production and thanks for listening